Hey everyone, welcome to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. Today we'll be hearing director Armando Iannucci discuss his new film, The Death of Stalin, with moderator Scott Mance during the film's opening weekend at the Landmark in Los Angeles. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. What did you think of The Death of Stalin? Kind of funny how how familiar a lot of this is, isn't it? Uh, this is not lost on a lot of the critics. Uh, the movie has uh, got a score of 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, which means it's certified fresh. And uh, tonight's director is the uh, Oscar-nominated screenwriter of In the Loop, which I saw here. And uh, he's also the Emmy Award-winning writer and producer of Veep. Let's hear it for Veep. Please welcome Armando Iannucci. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so yeah. I, you know, source material is uh, is is obviously essential with with a story like this. How did this come about, and what exactly was the source material? Well, uh, several things. You know, I was uh, when I finished. I. I knew after season four of Veep, I wanted to stop doing Veep. Um, and I started thinking of um, doing, uh, the next thing I wanted to do was a thing about a dictator. Uh, <laughs> but, I, I, but I thought a contemporary dictator, it was gonna be a fictional contemporary, and I hadn't decided whether it was an American dictator or a British dictator, because just something funny was going on. This was in, when was this? This was, two, well, we shot the movie 2016 in the summer, so it was before, the event, as uh, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> can't even say his name, <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> Voldemort. Um, <laughs> but, um, um, because I thought something strange is happening. Something strange is happening. In democracies across Europe and um, and so on. And then I was sent this graphic novel, The Death of Stalin, which was a French comic book, but based on true events. Based on. Uh, and I was asked if I wanted to direct it, and and I normally don't think of myself as someone who directs other people's material. But I read it, and I thought, well, this is this is the story, and it's true, and it's all true. That's the thing. The concert at the beginning is true. Stalin lay for a, a day and a half in his office because the guards were too frightened. That's true. They were frightened to get a doctor because he'd put them on on a list. That's true. So many things in the film are true. Um, uh, and and that's what I thought, and it, and it gives and and for that reason, it gave you the the comedy and the absurdity and the craziness, but also the horror and the tragedy, uh, because it was all based on things that happened. Well, this this through line that you have within the loop and Veep and now Death of Stalin is that that they are, especially this movie based on true events, but there's just a slight twist in the tone that turns it into. Not just a dark comedy, but a tragic comedy. And like, what exactly is a tragic comedy? Well, with this, I knew um, that you know, the, the the comedy and the horror were going to exist <laughs> side by side, and and they were going to exist all the way through the film. And it was about trying to make sure that the comedy was part of the horror, and the horror was part of the comedy. Really, um, the first thing I said when we started the production was. I said, look, we have to be very, very respectful of what actually happened to people in the Soviet Union at the time. So we're not making fun of that. You know, there are we are not making jokes about people being shot and rounded up. We're going to play that for real. We're not going to try and deny it or dilute it or hide it. We're going to play it for real. 
but the comedy is the craziness going on inside the Kremlin. It's the inner circle running around like headless chickens trying to... Uh, and, 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 and it's because they behave... I suppose in things like Veep, you know, if they make a mistake, it's embarrassing, but they survive, you yeah. know, they're, they, you know. Uh, here, if they make a mistake, they're dead, and, and, and therefore it raises everything to a whole new level, because yeah, yeah. that's when you start acting through fear, and when you act through fear, you do crazy things, you behave in a crazy way, and that's where, um, I mean, some things that happened in real life we had to dial back, like in the concert at the beginning, in real life, they got through three conductors because the first conductor fainted. Second conductor, they got in in his pajamas, but he was drunk, so they had to get in a third conductor. But I thought if you put three in, no one's going to believe this, so I'll, you know, uh, yeah. yeah. But the, the characters are, they're, they're, they're dark, they're brutal, mm -hmm. but, you know, they're still, I, I don't, I, uh, this is sort of a very loose term to describe, but there's still like a warmth. You warm up to them okay. in certain ways. Like, <laughs> yes. Are we allowed to do that? No, 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 absolutely. The, the whole point is, and I, I like the ambiguity because, you know, these people are human beings. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, and I don't want, I didn't want people, I, d I really didn't want to be going, this is the good guy and this is the bad guy, and that's how it's going to stay for the rest of the film. Actually, the, the, the sort of the good guy, as it were, the, the, our anti-hero, um, you know, Khrushchev transforms as the film goes on. And similarly, Beria, who's the baddie, he tries to change his tone. A and, you know, people do tell me by the end when he's, you know, tried and shot, there is an element of, I don't know if it's sympathy, but there is, you know, he's a human being by the end. Because I want to show that this is what happened daily, on a daily basis, to millions of people, that, that sort of thing. So, so you mentioned you, you shot at the summer of 2016. Yes. So like when, <laughs> when post the event yes. happened, like, yes. like what, what, what were your thoughts? Like well, it was like bizarre because I was then in the middle of the edit, and then you know, I was looking at scenes, and then they were happening in front of me on the television. Like when, when Trump, two days in after being inaugurated, said um, he tweeted that CNN and NBC were enemies of the people. Now, what he didn't realize, that's a Stalin phrase. Stalin used that phrase all the time. To the extent that Khrushchev, when Khrushchev took over, he banned the phrase enemies of the people because it was so associated with Stalin. And then that first meeting Trump had with his cabinet where they all went around and said, I thank God I was born at a time when Trump could have appointed me as you know, housing secretary or something. And they went around. And all I could think of watching at that was uh, unanimously. That's what yeah. I, that's what I, that's, <laughs> that just kind of, and I thought, oh my God. And then there were phrases like, you know, they talk about um, false narrative in Bariat keeps going, false narrative, which is fake news. And then um, we're in a new reality now, which is like alternative facts, yeah. which is Kellyanne Conway saying. And it, I, I just was, and I kind of felt, you know, I felt appalled that it was happening, but I also felt, well, I suppose my instinct was right because I thought something funny is going on around democracies and around, you know, the uh, electorates are feeling, voters are feeling angry, they're feeling frustrated, they're feeling not listened to, uh, and things are, things are unpredictable and fluid, and things like this happen. I got to tell you, if you're looking for source material for your next movie, you're sitting on the mother load. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I couldn't. I mean, you can't. How could you do a fictional version of what's happening in Washington? <laughs> I mean, it would just, you know, it's kind of. He's, he's, he's his own sort of 
satirist anyway, Trump, because, you know, satire is about taking something that seems true and then bending it and twisting right. it. But that's what he does that's what he anyway. Does. That's reality. You know? So he's a sort of self-basting uh, satirist. And it's so like a reality show. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Take us through the casting pro- I mean, the cast yeah. of this movie is fantastic. Who was the first... To, to well, it on. was Simon Simon Russell Beale, who you probably don't know, who plays Barrier. He's well known in the UK as a stage actor, the theatre sh- great Shakespearean actor. So he's done, you know, the, one of the best King Lears of the last thirty years and Macbeth and and all those things. Uh, uh, and he's fantastic, and he very rarely does film and television because he loves doing live stuff. But I I wanted him for Barrier, and he looks a little bit like Barrier. But I also wanted that kind of He's also very funny, mm-hmm. um, but that gravitas, but that kind of depth and that... Um, and also, I like the fact, because I don't think we have a kind of image in our head of who Beria is anyway. We don't have a recognised... And I like the fact that there was an unknown actor on screen yeah. playing him. So so this figure, Beria, was new to the to the audience. So once you've got Beria, then who is the opposite? Who's someone who's the perfect foil? Beria's very contained and quiet, very short sentences, and Khrushchev is voluble and, and talks with his hands and, and, you know, like that, and emotional. And I thought of Steve because Steve Buscemi can do, you know, he needs to start off as the slightly comic figure in the pyjamas at the beginning to the next dictator. And and, and Steve can do comedy, but he can also be frightening. You know, he can do gangster and evil as well as funny. All at the same time, actually. All at the same, yes. (laughs) Yes. And it was a delight when I first watched, you know, once we finished filming, I went into the edit and saw the first assembly. The first time, because you shoot, obviously, you shoot out of sequence. So the first time seeing it all in sequence, seeing Steve subtly change from the the guy at the back who's thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I'm last in, so I'll be first out, to, oh, I've got to take over. Right, okay, and, and taking over. And it was just nice to see that. Well, you know, like actors like Rupert Fran and, yeah. and Jason Isaacs, there are, I've, I've seen them mostly in serious things, and they're yes. both hilarious. They are. I mean, Jason, I've met a few times, and he's always very funny. He's very funny in real life. And Rupert, I've I've just admired as an actor. Yeah, but yeah, he does very. He's a great actor. Um, play, who plays Vasily Stalin's son, okay. drunk son, um, and that's true as well. He Vasily did lose the ice hockey, the the Russian ice hockey team. <laughs> <laughs> we discovered that as we were researching the film. Um, so we thought that's got to go in. Um, uh, but I've seen Rupert be funny in um, in chat shows and in interviews and in person. And and uh, what I need for my sort of ensemble, for my company, are really good performers, but but with funny bones, with with a sense of humour. Really. With, with an ensemble cast like this, do you do you just depending on the actor, do you encourage like them to sort of go off script and improvise? Oh, a little bit, yes. I mean, what we do is um, I like to cast really early so that while we're still writing and rewriting, because then we know exactly who it is, so we're writing for them with them in mind and their voice in mind. Uh, And then we have conversations with them individually, but we also kind of meet for about two weeks, about three or four weeks in advance of the shoot. We rehearse for two weeks, and that gives us a chance, especially when it's a big team like that, big ensemble, to do all the big set pieces, you know, the carrying of the body from the 
floor to the bed, working all that out, all this standing round the body trying to pass a message on, and did you bring the bishops? Tell him, you know, who's going to stand where, and how? what's the funniest way to get that message? You know, we do all that, and, and, and that's where I encourage them to, to open up. Uh, I mean, it's very, very tightly scripted, but part of the job, my job as director really is, is to make that switch from writer. In the, in the writing, you know, you're working really hard to get the script as you want it to be. But when you start directing, it's all about then trying to make it look like it hasn't been written. You know what I mean? That make it try and feel like this is genuinely happening. And sometimes that involves little things about just encouraging them to speak over each other and just alter the an odd word here or there. Sometimes I do little things like when fantastic Andrea Riceborough turns up for the first time as Svetlana, Stalin's daughter, and we knew she had to be very kind of unpredictable and just barking instructions and randomly and no one's qu everyone's trying to look after her but no one quite knows so what I did was <laughs> with Andrea I just gave her a list of things to say and I just said but just say them in any order just say them as they come you know so she knew what to say but she you know she'd memorize stuff but she could just decide when to so they were all genuinely trying to kind of scoop her up and put her in and, and not quite know what what to how to react or with um with Khrushchev, with Steve, because he's very talkative, I gave Steve, uh, in Steve's script, he had slightly longer lines um, so that I encouraged the cast to just cut him off. But if they didn't cut him off, at least he knew what to carry on saying. <laughs> you know, there's things like that. And then other things like, you know, the, um, the trial at the end, I wanted that to be that complete mess. And so we didn't rehearse it. And I, I got the cameras going and I, I spoke to all the background artists and I said, Look, just they'll order you about, and just you just just do what they say. And I said to the cast, "Okay, we'll go in there and do it because I want this done in two minutes. Go in, try them, get them shot, go on. You know, because I, I wanted to be a mess. And I said, doesn't matter if you forget stuff. Doesn't matter if you talk over each other. You know, we can always go back and pick it up if sure. there's something vital missing. But just get through it. So the bulk of what you saw there was that was the first take. Do you shoot uh, chronologically, and, and how how uh, long was the shoot? Well, we, you try and shoot chronologically, but obviously, you know, you can't. Sometimes certain cast members aren't available, or there's a location you can only get for a certain time, and yeah. so you shoot out. I try as much as possible to shoot in in order. So we did day one was the concert. So I shot strangely. I shot the opening and closing shots of the movie on the first day which was the piano and then the end Khrushchev uh, in charge and then Brezhnev behind him uh, so I try as much as possible to shoot in story order when it we can was there was there anyone who who maybe found it a little difficult to keep a straight face <laughs> <laughs> oh straight face oh that's interesting I mean yeah 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 no I mean Simon Russell Beale's interesting because he, he he's funny but he uh, he doesn't think he's funny. He thinks he's. He was slightly overwhelmed by you know, great comic heroes being and and Steve Buscemi and Michael Palin and um, uh, you know on set and so on, um, and so he said, well, "I can't improvise. I'm so used to you know learning my lines." And so, what I discovered was his way of improvising was he'd gone and he'd gone and memorized all the previous drafts of the script. 
So <laughs> if there was a moment when he was required to kind of come up with them, he could just pull from his memory. Oh, there was a speech that got cut from draft four. I'll say that. You know, <laughs> that was his way of getting around it. So anyone in the audience who has a question, because a movie like this, you know, yes, you got a question right Shout there. Shout out. Nice loud. Okay. <laughs> That's a good question. Okay, will this be shown in Russia and where did we get all the automobiles? Uh, the automobiles we got, quite a few of them, uh, the, 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 the big sort of car uh, mayhem as they leave the Dacia, they were shot in a park in London. Um, we got some transported over from Eastern Europe, but others, you, you find these um, very careful owners there. Will it be shown in Russia? Now then, here's a story. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's currently banned in Russia. Uh, and this is the first time something like this has happened since the fall of the Soviet Union. And there is a test case happening as Congrats. we speak. Well, I, yeah, you'd, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I'd rather people saw it, to be honest. <laughs> um, no, what happened was we got the license. We, you have to get a license from the Ministry of Culture uh, in Russia. We got the license. It was, we did their press day. The press saw it. They loved it. They applauded when Stalin died. Um, we did, I did my day of interviews with the press. Uh, we, they dubbed it into Russian. Uh, two days before the release date, uh, the Ministry of Culture withdrew the license. And I think somebody some panicked somewhere because it's a Russian election in two weeks' time and they were worried that it was going to... And we know how Putin doesn't like people interfering in elections. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a no. <laughs> so uh, I think there's a... We're hopeful that... Um, that it will get back in. Because the, the Russians who have seen it have said, they've said two things. One, it's funny, and two, it's true, wow. you know. And, and, and they, they applauded, the one cinema did show it for a few days, and they, the, the audience applauded at the end because, you know, as I say, we're respectful of what happened to the people, and the comedy is, you know, about the politicians, really. Wow, right, what a ringing endorsement. Last yeah. question right there, you, yes. Uh, did, did, uh, the Film shows Khrushchev following along uh, Stalin, but he did actually, in, in when he became chairman or wherever, general secretary, he did try to de-Stalinize. He did try to de-Stalinize, yes, he did. But strangely enough, he was very loyal to Stalin at the time. I mean, this only takes us up to the time Stalin dies. He was very loyal to Stalin, I mean, and he carried out purges on behalf of Stalin. He was known as the butcher of the Ukraine in the 1930s and 40s, Khrushchev. I mean, the thing about all these people is you just have to choose which uh, which psychopath is the one you like the most, really. That's that's the thing. They're all knee-deep in blood um, because they've survived and they've had to have done something to survive and be so close to Stalin. Um, but you're absolutely right. He Once he came into power, he did a, a sort of a secret speech to the Presidium and to the, to the party denouncing Stalin and the cult of personality. And, and, and trying to sort of liberalize. Um, but, but he talks about those reforms when he's, when he's running and plotting at the same time. He's talking about reforming and liberalizing. And, and he was just annoyed that Beria was trying to do it before him, really. Well, ladies and gentlemen, how do you spread the word these days when you love a film? You go on social media. So make sure you spread the word about the death of Stalin. Go on, go on Facebook, go on Twitter, Instagram. I don't know if you're still using MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. Why is that Ladies so John, funny? Thank you so much, and thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theaters Q and A podcast. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, head over to the Landmark Theater's YouTube page to see an entirely different Death of Stalin Q&A featuring Armando Iannucci and actors Rupert Friend and Jason Isaacs. As always, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear the latest Q&As with actors and filmmakers at the Landmark.